one-part sermon series, The Game. Uh, I think I may have mentioned last week that uh, one of my least favorite physical activities, not that I have a lot of fun favorite physical activities, but one of the least favorite physical activities I have is running. See, it makes no sense to me in my mind. I mean, if there's a goal of running out of a burning building, I can do that. But for the sake of, I need you to go around this loop ten times and get nowhere. I start where I stop, and I stop where I start. I'm like, why? I mean, a lot of kudos to those people that love running marathons or half marathons or all those things. I just think, wow, there's, there is truly a reason why God invented the wheel, and we've applied it to cars. Because I can get there a lot quicker than running. But I know from an exercise standpoint, it's valued and it's important. Uh, I remember early in my childhood uh, thinking about running one day. And it's because on some TV show I saw this guy named Jim Fix who was a runner back in the 80s, I think it was. And then I heard a news story because he got me all excited about wanting to run. Then I heard a news story like a week later that he died of a heart attack while he was running. And I thought, ooh, that's, maybe that isn't the exercise for me. Uh, but running takes a very central place. The race and the run takes a very central place in God's Word. And I want to look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, 2, and 3, because it gives us that illustration of that sports metaphor of racing and running and applies it spiritually to our own lives, to how we interact with each other and how we interact with God. And I want us to see how Paul, or the writer of Hebrews, I almost said Paul, the writer of Hebrews uses this illustration to encourage us not to give up. Because there are times, and I have tried this a couple times, I've tried to run, and it's so easy to give up. It is so easy to give up good exercise. It is so easy to give up good habits. But when it comes to the Christian life, God has lots of warnings. And lots of encouragement. Don't give up. And it starts in verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 12. It starts out by saying, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and every sin that so easily ensnares. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Now, any time a verse starts with the word, therefore, you have to kind of put your thinking cap on and say, okay, he's making a connection here with something that happened previously in the chapter or in, in, in the book. And he gives us a hint. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, he's referring to chapter 11. And if you have free time today or any time this week and you're wondering, Lord, I, I want to start reading your word, where should I start? Read Hebrews chapter 11. Mark that down on your bulletin. Mark that uh, on your notes in the version Bible app. You can put notes on that Bible app. And remind yourself, let's go back to Hebrews 11. Because Hebrews 11 is a story that runs pretty much the whole Old Testament in one chapter talking about God's people and their relationship with God. Some of the hardships they went through, some of the challenges that they faced and they overcame. But all to give us this understanding you're not expected to do this alone. You're not the very first person ever to face whatever you're facing. You're not the first person to face marriage trouble. 
You're not the first person ever to face the difficulty of raising teenagers. You're not the first person dealing with rolling over and feeling the physical effects of age. You're not the first person. This whole cloud of witnesses that have gone before have faced exactly what you have. Not the same fate, but definitely the same feelings and emotions and pressures of life. They dealt with financial stress. They dealt with health stress. They dealt with the stress of fitting in. They dealt with the pressure to conform to culture and society and not to speak up for the truth. They felt all that. And so the writer of Hebrews says, hey, in light of the fact that we have a lot of people that have done this before, and we have their stories written in Scripture, don't give up. In fact, he goes on right here to say, with this great cloud of witnesses, all these people that have gone before us, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. Little known fact that when the original Olympic Games in Greece started, the participants wore a very special vehicle called birthday shoes. And that's all they wore. All the events were done there, okay, that, but they wanted to make sure they would not get hung up anywhere along whatever course or racing route. They didn't want their clothes to get in the way. That's not what the writer of Hebrews is telling us to do. The writer of Hebrews tells us that there are two things that can frustrate our race and make us want to give up. Those two things are hindrances those things that just sort of get in the way, and sin. Sin is very easy to define. Sin are those things in life that goes against the character of God, his holiness, the violation of the do's and don'ts that God has laid down. For all of us, we know what sin is. It's missing the mark of not living the way God has expected. The hindrances can be good things, but the priorities get out of whack. And what was good now becomes a hindrance to my race, a hindrance to my focus, a hindrance to my endurance and perseverance. Because I get sidetracked. And while sin is easy to define, those hindrances are more difficult to define because they can be good in the right quantity. They can be healthy and necessary in the right quantity. They need our attention. They need our money in the right quantity. But sometimes those hindrances become what we live for. Some of those hindrances, and if you have a bulletin, I know we ran out this morning, but if you have a bulletin, you have a whole list of blank spaces there. We're going to fill in those blank spaces with some ideas of what these hindrances can be, those things that can get in the way that aren't wrong, that aren't sinful, but they can get in the way of our perseverance, our goal, our focus, our purpose. One of those things is family. We can be so dedicated to family that we forget to follow God. All of our effort, all of our money, all of our strength can go into family, family, family. And now, Scripture tells us family is good. We just saw how good God has made family. But if we replace the race of endurance towards the goal that God has set before us with family, then we're being hindered. Education, 
education is incredibly important. Learning how to read and write and do simple math, geometry, and gym music. But important to take it if that's your class. You have to be diligent in that. Um, but if education overwhelms you to the point that everything is about education, 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 that could hinder you from running the race of following God in all things. It can become an idol. Same thing with work. Work is good. Work is necessary. God has said, you work six days and you rest one. But if work all consumes you, and now you work seven days, if you work as many hours as you could possibly can, if you work and work and work and work, that's going to hinder your relationship, not just with them, but with God. Work is good, but if work consumes you, that could be a hindrance to your perseverance. Money. Money is not evil. Money is not wrong. Accumulating money, working for money, inheriting money is not wrong. It is not wrong to be wealthy. What Scripture tells us is wrong is to have a love for money that consumes everything. You do everything for money. You don't give to charity because you want money. You don't give to a church because you want to keep the money. You don't help others in need because you want to keep the money. You work and work and work and you become like Scrooge who the last ghost visit you, you're not going to change. Leisure and recreation. God says you have one day to rest. Enjoy life. Enjoy that time. But if you live for leisure, if you live for recreation, if that's your whole goal in life, then that can hinder your perseverance for the faith. Same thing with sports, because these are all sports analogies that Scripture gives us in this series. Sports are good. God uses it as illustration. He talks about its value. The exercise and the sports. But if that is all you know, if you know more about sports than you know about your relationship with God, then there's that's the wrong priority right now. Politics. And that's it. Computers. Computers, I think, are feels to me like a modern-day horse, in that you have to have one. So technology-driven that it consumes you to the point where that's where you spend all your money. That's where you spend all your time, all your interest, all your labor. Then that could be a hindrance. Same thing with TV. Oh, TV has been made so easy these days. In the old days, you had to get this piece of paper that came in a newspaper, and you had to figure out what day you were going to watch TV, at what hour, at what channel. And I remember as a kid going through with a pen and a marker, and my mom would say, okay, you can choose two things. And so we would go through that, and I couldn't go for it. But reading through that TV listing going, I want to watch that, I want to watch that. So you'd circle it, and you then had the rights to the TV for that hour. Okay? <laughs> Everyone in the house can be on their own device watching whatever show, movie, event that they want to at any time, anywhere in the house.
Fitness can also become a hindrance. While fitness is good, while taking care of your body is what God says we should all do. But if fitness drives you and you become obsessed with your you, you got to get down to eight, if that's a reasonable number. Um, you might have, you might have an interest in your life to living the Christian life to the fullest, if that consumes you. Talking about consumption, food. If food is always on your mind, if food is always in your conversations, if everything in life is about Food, food, food. It can become a physical problem. It can hurt your spiritual life. Drugs and pharmaceuticals. If, obviously, if there's an addiction problem, that's a sin. But we can have these dependencies upon pharmaceuticals to get us through the day. If we need to depend on something other than God, get us through the day, it may be a hindrance, even though God has given us drugs and pharmaceuticals for very good reasons and purposes. Another one, alcohol. God never forbid the drinking of alcohol. What he forbids is drunkenness. What he forbids is the use of it, but it can be so subtle. It can be so, uh, we can deceive so easily as we have to take a walk. Does this all consume me to the point where I lose sense and faculties? It's not worth it if it gets you off the track of pursuing God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself. Stuff. And that's just a general category for you fill it in with whatever you want. Cars, homes, clothes, etc. All those things are good. God never says those things are wrong. It never says it's wrong to have more than one car. Or more than one house. Or, or a cabin. That's fine. But when it becomes your priority and you judge yourself on whether or not you have what your neighbor has. Or the movies tell you to have. Or the ads tell you to have. When you start judging yourself and, and feeling guilt and feeling pride. Oh, look what I have. That's the moment where something good can become a hindrance. Technology. All of it has been technology. Communication. This amazes me, and you will notice it, and maybe you are guilty of it. But when you're in a context of, say, sitting at a restaurant at a table with people that you've gone out to lunch with, and your first go-to is to make sure you check Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, whatever else it might be, you probably have a little bit too much of an obsession with communicating with people away from you instead of communicating with people right in front of you. I know that dates me. I know that makes me old. I know that doesn't make me modern and hip. But when you sit down at my table and eat, every one of my kids will tell you the mantra. Put it down. You are never that important to me to read that email today or right this moment. Oh, email's so cool. Snapchat. You do not need 
what's going on in Snapchat right now. The world will not fall apart if you put it down for 20 minutes and you deal with it. But that consumes you. You can't wait. Oh, can I have that bottle? Can I have that bottle? Can I have that And don't take likes and dislikes of your post lightly. Don't feel bad if no one likes it. Don't feel bad if no one shares it. And if you go to it and you get that high end rush of, oh, wow, 10 people liked it. There might be a danger to your Christian growth in life. And one of the things I don't have to worry about too much, you. Some people are obsessed with it. Obsessed with it. The amount of money that is spent on cosmetics alone rivals charitable donations to all charities that we can reach. Now that doesn't mean, ladies, you should go plain. It's okay. God says it's fine to look beautiful. But when it becomes your obsession, when it becomes that's more important that I spend 30 minutes giving myself prim and proper lens than five minutes in God's Word, then you don't have time because you were getting ready and pressing the call to try to figure out out of the 50 different shirts you have which one you should wear. You're probably now, at this moment, if you are easily embarrassed, you are welcome to take out your phone and just look at your phone right now. But I have $5 on this, real $5. I am willing to give this to someone who is willing to risk right now. Starting at these steps, down the aisle, down the back, and up to these steps. And the first person to these steps There will be a catch, and it may be embarrassing, but would someone like to race me for $5? Anyone? This was all, come on up here, Brad. I want you to verify, I want you to verify that this is real. There's there's no trickery here. Looks legit? Okay. And we're going to leave this here, so I'm not swapping it out. We're going to stand over here. And, um, oh, did I mention that you were going to have contingencies? Yeah. That's part of it. Right. Okay, so uh, I need you to grab this chair. This is kind of leisure. Uh, this is uh, picnic stuff. <laughs> Sports.
Here's Sam. Yeah. Sam right there. We got it. All right. And uh, let's go. Yeah, come on. I don't want to break a sweat. All right, I'll hustle. Hardships that, frankly, we 
it's really hard for us to relate to. It's hard for us to relate to the persecuted church. Because the most persecuted we get is, oh, you can't have prayer in school. People are paying with their lives. Jesus paid with his life. And said that's not going to stop him. His own life, physical life, didn't stop him from pursuing the race that God had called him to. And I think most of us would say our life is a portion of our life. Jesus said for the sake of God, I'll be I'll surrender. I'll be made fun of. I'll be ripped. I'll be scorned. I'll be beaten. But you know what? The reward of sitting next to the right hand of God the Father will grow Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I know some of us are tired of the fight with sin, tired of the fight of culture, tired of single one of you can raise your hand and say, my race is over. You only get to raise your hand when the Lord brings you home. Then your race is over. And so right now, you're in the race. And you may have another 500 laps to go. Or you may have a half a lap to go. No one got more. But since God has kept you in the race, you are to keep your eyes focused on Him and run after Him I know a question comes up. How, Tim, do we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus? Because if I keep looking up and I'm driving, I'm going to get into an accident. It doesn't mean you need to keep your eyes looking up in some ethereal state of, oh, this is where Jesus is. I think it is very simple. And that is our take home for today. It boils down to having a heart of thanksgiving. And talking about thanksgiving all the time in your mind and your heart all day long. That means if you find a parking spot that is close to a store entrance, you can say, thank you, Lord, for giving me this parking space. And if there's no parking spot close and there's one far away, you can say, Lord, thank you for giving me a spot so far away because you know I need the exercise. Thank you. You can thank him when you get green lights all the way home. What a rare occurrence. But what a blessing. And you can thank him if you get stopped at every red light because you can say, Lord, thank you for helping me deal with this and making sure that time and appointments do not become a hindrance to me. And you gave me 30 seconds to think about you. Thank you. Or you can look at the starry sky at night and it still amazes me how beautiful that sky is in this Colorado weather, and how amazing the snow looked this week. When you saw it sitting on the trees like that, did you say, thank you, God, for moving your world? See, that's keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. And I think if you have a heart of thanksgiving, and you just keep repeating that all the time, and all the small things, and all the big things, Lord, thank you. All of a sudden, that burden of weight, of sin, and hindrances, I think, slowly 
I know who's forging your heart. Because your heart is filled with thinking great and glorious thoughts about Jesus. Let's pray. As I pray, if uh, the elders and the people who serve as elders and the pastors come up, bring them down. Lord, we thank you for putting in our hearts and our lives this race. And Lord, this race at times is hard and it's frustrating. And at times we want to give up. And it is so easy to get weighed down by good things. But Lord, you have freed us from that in Christ. You have reminded us that Christ has given his life that we might be made whole, that we might be made new, that we might have that endurance and that focus. Help us to be people that are thankful more than we are upset, more than we are frustrated, more than we are unforgiving. Let us be thankful people. Uh, In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.